Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. Alrighty, and we are live back at it with another Table Talk episode. Um, today, we are joined uh, by another wonderful uh, guest, uh, someone that we had all the pleasure of meeting at PAX. Um, would you like to give us a brief little introduction about yourself? Yes. Hi, I am Juicy Garland, a Boston area drag queen and super nerd. I do lots of actual play streams and I have an actual play podcast, All Our Faults, which is a Monster Hearts actual play. Incredible. Um, Yeah. So this uh, week, what we kind of talked to you a little bit about uh, PAX and wanted so excitedly to kind of have an episode about is we wanted to talk a little bit about what you've experienced, especially in the world of like TTRPG and this industry and kind of the shifts that you've seen since things like, for example, like Dimension 20s, Dungeons and Drag Queens and how that's kind of shifted things for you. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I have been doing drag for a handful of years now. I really started jumping into drag back in maybe 2018, 2017, but I really picked up during the pandemic. I had the uh, lovely opportunity to start doing tons and tons of drag during the pandemic with uh, Charlie Hyde's Drag Bingo. And every single week for over a year, I started sewing a whole new look, uh, putting makeup on every single week, styling brand new wigs, creating a whole new complete look every single week doing drag bingo with Charlie, who is incredibly supportive. And I tend to think of her as my drag great grandmother. Um, (laughs) But uh, ultimately, I shortly after that started jumping into actual plays because not only was the pandemic happening, but I felt like my style of drag, which isn't quite weird enough or conventional enough for the Boston drag scene, didn't really fit in anywhere here. So when I started jumping in and as I continued to get better with my drag and as I started to really build acumen in actual plays, I found that casting calls didn't always come back to me as much as I saw other like startouts who were as good as, or maybe not quite as good as I was, um, were sort of hearing back from others. Um, and then there was a definite pickup after Dungeons and Drag Queens happened. So that was a really interesting observation for me because suddenly drag queens were cooler, um, which has been great for me, but also it created, I think, not only more awareness, but sort of a permission structure for really loud and obnoxious queer people like me to have more of a space to participate. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I love that the, there is quite a bit of like Dungeons and Dragons in general as becoming more, I guess, common and mainstream as it's entering, you know, like we've had the movie and now we've had this, like the movie was a big hit. Yeah, Baldur's Gate was a huge hit. So both uh-huh. of the movie and gaming industry, and then you know, Vox Machina came out, and like there's shows now that are happening, like animated shows that people can indulge in, um, that are like I guess more like, easily digestible for people that aren't in the hobby. 
Yes. And and there's always been a space for me in the hobby. Sometimes I've had to mm -hmm. punch my way in, but I've always been able to find a space. I mean, I've been playing D&D &D and other games for, oh God, I, I'd hate to age myself so hard, but about 20 years, like mm -hmm. since before college, but really um, I first played Dungeons and Dragons proper in my freshman year of college. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, we played 3.5 and that was my introduction to D&D &D proper. And we played that until we played 4E and then we stopped playing 4E and played Pathfinder. And then I found indie RPGs, which were way better. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was where I really found my love of sort of tabletop stuff. Um, just cause there was so much more out there to play. Uh, but but yeah, I've been able to carve a space for myself and I've found welcome spaces the whole time, but I had to really look for them. But more and more, mm -hmm. I haven't had to look so hard. And that, that's yeah. been nice to see. And in the last few years, it's been way, way easier, which has been great. And the hobby really has exploded, which has helped. 100%. And I think also, I re literally just had a matter of like a couple days ago, um, I saw that like NPR released an article about like the top movies and shows of 2023. And like Dimension 20s, specifically Dungeons and Drag Queen season, made it onto that list amongst like the list of shows that were the top of 2023, which oh, I remember seeing that and I was like, that's insane. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. I mean, there's... A big crossover, I think, between like nerd populations and queer populations. Mm -hmm. So I'm not that surprised. I mean, there are a lot of nerds who love Drag Race. There are a lot of nerds who love Bob the Drag Queen. Uh, mm -hmm. So that that's not a shock to me, but it's really cool to see. Uh, and I 100%. mean... If you look at Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate is queer as hell. I mean, the it's gayest game the gayest freaking video game I have Truly. ever goddamn seen. I mean, everyone Listen. is banging that vampire and we all know it. They were in we there. Yeah, all pump admitted. some more gay in there. It's not gay enough. We have no, not reached no. <laughs> maximum gay. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty damn gay. It could be gayer. It could always be gayer. I it mean, could always, sorry, it could always be gayer. Glitter, we know it. Um, it could have come in smell-o-vision. It would have been deeply unpleasant. I would have loved it. <laughs> you, that's a setting. If you could turn that setting on and off, I would be I would be down. I, yeah. I want it aggressively on. I want it hard to turn off. I want it to be a John Waters-style smell-o-vision where it is I, repugnant. I appreciate that and love and respect that for, for you in particular. I am not that strong. <laughs> Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I could have done that spider, that spy, that dead spider scene with television. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean... oh, fuck the dead spider scene. What about the alive spider scene? I tried to go back and do that because I had to go back and redo a bunch of shit in my first playthrough because I got to a point and I'm like, I can't beat this. I skipped too many side quests accidentally. Mm -hmm. And now I'm being murdered by monks. And so I, I tried to go back, like, you know, when you go under that well and where all the spiders are, I couldn't do it. I am too arachnophobic. Oh, no. I'm like, I would like to unzip my skin and step out of it. And I will not be doing this. Fuck the XP you gain. <laughs> I don't I... care if that big spider gives you four levels. I will not be killing her. <laughs> I have a, a deep, dark confession, which is I have yet to finish my first playthrough. Oh, same. I would and, neither have we. <laughs> oh, okay, good, good, good. I am. We're right there in the dark with you. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm an act. I'm an act too, but I've not 
Well, no, I'm not even. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind like of halfway through act one, maybe. And that's because my life has been so damn busy um, that I and I'm just so mad and salty that I haven't yet made out with Astarian that it just didn't hand that to me on a silver platter. I am so salty, but I've just been so busy that I, I played and played and played. And then life got in the way in like late September that I haven't been able to get back to it. And I need to so desperately. I played a little bit actually just before PAX Unplugged, before we met. Um, <laughs> and now I just need to get my ass back in front of that game so I can yeah. um, make sweet, sweet, sweet love to that uh, sad boy vampire who hits sad, all the right marks. Sad little Eastern European gay porn vampire. I but, mean, yeah. It's the like game they made really it gaslight you with him too, where it's like one of Ollie's playthroughs. He just did not approach her at all, and I'm like, how? No, how he did turned not me down at all. Actually, very roughly, and I was like, cool, fuck me. And then literally, all of my companions are like, mm, nah. Halston is like the only one that kind of is interested, but it's again a long con game because you don't even get Wait, like that slot didn't want you. Him. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, I've had him be super into me in, in other playthroughs, but this Amazing. is, like, the game that... The one playthrough that I'm actually making it to fucking Act 3 with, mm-hmm. um, and nobody wants to touch her at all. I was like, cool, she's gonna fuck the Emperor, I guess, and, like, destroy Last. the world as... She's as gonna fuck, fucking... not, like, uh, fucking Yasufai Gortash. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I mean, I... I I modded the fuck out of my game and I made Yasify Gortash <laughs> because of the fact that the game was like a handsome young man with a charming smile and then you ah! see what it is and I'm like, no, yes. incorrect. That man incorrect. Like, was living in a pig pen for six months and never no. seen So I brush. gave him a like, facelift. Sir. He still got like a little rugged, like the yeah. the scruff and the whatever. Scrub. I didn't I didn't yeah. fully wrinkly. clean him up. So, so, so you didn't make him a femboy, is what you're telling me. No. No. Well, totally. like he still got a little bit of a twink face, I'm not gonna lie. But he still got like the dark, like the dark circles under his eyes. Like he could sleep a little bit longer. He's got just like, rough. He's not full. He's twink. a clean metrosexual. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I did that. And like that's the first time I've ever met Gortash, like 1v1 or whatever. And I was like, Oh, once you get to it, Juicy, like that first real talk you have one-on-one with Gortash, I was like, I fucked myself because now he's hot and the things that are he's saying are literally making me want to look Carlac dead in her face and be like, I'm sorry, bitch, but we're about to side with this man. Uh oh. Like I'm he's gonna say yeah. jump and I'm already in the air. Like, <laughs> and this I'm is so how sorry. good people do bad things. And I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah. And I didn't, I, after I got to that point in my initial playthrough where I was like, I'm going to have to redo God Only Knows How Much. And I was sad about it. It's like Ollie was staying with me and she's like, just start a new playthrough. So I started a full like Dark Urge playthrough um, where we had just, Ollie and I had decided collectively as a group before we started and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, we have to it's roll. pure evil dirge. Yeah. If it's pure evil dirge, then we ha- we can't have like the good leaning party members so like and we like right. you know, everybody can lean good but we have to take the people who are already initially leaning toward fuckery and then like uh you know and make their make them worse so she's like you can't have carlac like carlac's gotta go wait, wait can like, you explain something to me are there is there a way to play where you play good people i have a really <laughs> hard time so good people is a fun and very obscure um, designation. So that alignment's that, an option in the game. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't just have know. A, 
I have a really hard time being mean to video game characters. Honestly, same. It hurts me inside. And so, like, when Ollie and I would play together or something, and we would be trying to play, like, a Dirge playthrough, she would have to hold me accountable to, like, not picking nice options. Um, so I'm like, cool, we're going to go full send on this one. And she's like, you have to kill Carlac. And I'm like, cool, we are going to, in fact, kill Carlac. And then we did. And then she guilt she guilted me about it. She's like, I can't believe you killed her. I'm like, I'm sorry, what the fuck do you mean? You told me to kill her. Her head is in my inventory yeah, was- right now. So, it was so rough to watch. <laughs> I, I know I it haven't played great. Much, I know I haven't played much of the game yet, but I think part of my problem and why uh Astarian keeps you drinking from me every night, but the, the bitch hasn't smooched me is because he, I keep fucking making him disapprove because I'm too goddamn empathetic and I'm so mad. Oh yeah. I like yeah. you have don't to do murder not this bring him. I don't want to make people angry. I just want to help and I'm just yeah. like fuck he disapproved again. See, I yeah. he disapproved of a lot of the stuff I did, but I was just kind of a brat to him in camp, and that uh-huh. still worked. Oh, are you like yeah. a bratty sub? Not in, not in sometimes, quasi. Not okay, fully. Okay. Like, our friend Bex is a There was a lot the way brat. you said that, by the way. I'm, I'm tempted to unpack it, but I won't. But let's we're not gonna unpack it on this podcast. Yeah, that's that's on our next phone, that's a different podcast on a phone yeah. call or a future podcast. Excellent. Um I have my my leanings, but I don't have the energy to maintain that shit twenty four seven. I don't have it in me. I don't always. Want, sub your I don't have that dog in me. I, I do not, in fact, have that dog in me. That's precious. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, with Asarian, I think you have to, yeah, like either not bring him on certain things that you know you're gonna make good choices, mm-hmm. um, and bring him on things that you know you're gonna do some fuck shit. Like if you want to fuck around with the gobbies and you're like, I'm gonna do war crimes here, and he's gonna mm-hmm. love it, then bring him. Yeah. Um, but then when you're talking to the Grove people, maybe keep him back at camp. Okay. Um, but there's okay. like. There's like a book that you're going to find. It's like a full on Necronomicon situation and he's going to ask for it. Give it to him. Okay. Oh, yeah. And that's going to win. It's going to win him a lot of, a lot of good cook, like, you know, bonus points with him. Yeah. I don't think I've gotten there. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. See, that's the kind of shit that really tempts me. Like the evil, creepy books that will warp my mind. Yeah. That, that, that's what gets me going. So yeah. Give that shit to him and anything to do with like his, his story stuff just be yeah like, of course yeah. i support you king um and, and, <laughs> oh i'm never calling him king i'm gonna call him baby he baby he's oh, not king. Yeah. he's not in fact a king yeah no him baby he's yeah. a lower yeah. king, like li- little b baby now now little there b is a bratty baby. sub right there a star yeah. in 100 percent. oh yeah Fox big he yeah. will be a little spoon I'm sure. Oh yeah, no. From the jump, like my first character that I started playing was like my little hex blood druid or whatever, and she was going to be a dirge, and she's the one I actually like went pretty far with, and yeah, I I have my own proclivities, and when he bratted at me, I was like, oh, shut that shit down real fast. Right? <laughs> I'm in love with you. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah. Just be mean to him. Yeah, basically say. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh no, no, no. That no, that doesn't Not work for today, me. Today, AA. Ron. Not today. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so cute when you talk back to me. Watch while I smack you. Yeah, yeah literally. Basically. I mean, if um, you do that, I feel like you like that's fine. Yeah, good. I figured yeah. as much. You know, you know, I was playing and I was following the story so well. And I got a bunch of the main party characters and I went to go, you know, commit a genocide on the goblins like mm-hmm. you're supposed to. Yeah, as and you then do. I accidentally ended up in the Underdark, and then yeah. literally 60 <laughs> hours later, 
I was going to kill Duergar and trying to free slaves, and I didn't know what happened, but I spent so much time doing it, and now I can't undo it, and it's all above my, like, level slash pay grade, and I can't escape, and I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I did the exact same thing, and I was literally like, am I just fucking stuck down here? Like, I have no idea. Um, you can fast travel back out of there. It yeah. took me so long. The trouble, the trouble is that I blew up the barrier, and now there's the, like, jerk you have to, like, work with to kill all the Dwergar, but then he mm -hmm. wants to, like, murder you, but everyone's mm -hmm. too powerful at because you haven't accumulated enough, like, experience to level up to their yeah. level yet. So I can't, like, back out because there's a time limit. So oh. then do they all just disappear and or do I lose that quest line? Because I have to mm -hmm. fast travel away, so I don't know quite what to do, and I don't want to like maybe, cheat and read. So I'm. You maybe can fast okay. travel out, and then yeah, you had to like you may just have it. to take the L on that one. But it's not his stuff is not so pivotal that it'll fuck up anything later. Uh, honestly, even when that dude makes it out of there, uh, he does not meet a, a, a. You'll walk into his situation later and be like, "Ooh, that sucks for him," um, but he is not like a main pivotal. Yeah, okay. Like okay. his story kind of ends there. All so right. It's not a big loss if you if you dip. Yeah, all right. We'll see what happens. I'll figure I'll figure it out. I'm gonna go back because I really need to like smooch that vampire at some point. I'm not getting through yeah. life without having done that. I do love the that element of like I, I do love that Baldur's Gate leaned so heavily, not only on all the wonderful parts that we genuinely love about like TTRPGs, but yeah. like also the queer inclusiveness of, of it all. Um, oh, yeah. To the mm -hmm. point where, like, a lot of, like, cishet men were like, I'm uncomfortable that all the male characters are hitting on me as much as, like, the female ones are, or well, whatever. Even, and even I'm just, like, like, the fluidity of choices where it's so easy to go back and forth between one yeah. option and another where there there's no punishment either for like choosing to say pursue a storyline with Astarian or then uh pursue a storyline with Lazel you can be fluidly bisexual pansexual straight gay however you want to do it and it's fine Polyamorous it doesn't matter yeah loved yeah, yeah. It, it's fantastic because the so many games have tried to make these options but then they kind of like push you into one kind of choice or another, or they punish you for yes. making one kind of yeah. choice over another in the story. And this game yeah. has found a way to let you fluidly make as many options or make as many choices within the options mm -hmm. as you damn well please. And yeah. it's yeah. kind of amazing. Uh, and it's, they allowed the actors to really explore that too, which is yeah. phenomenal. It's one of the things that I love so much. Like, it's one of the big things that got me into video games because one of the first video games that I really, like, hardcore played was things like Dragon Age and Mass Effect, respectively. And those were the first video games I encountered that gave me the option to romance people and romance people that were not, mm. like, just straight options. Um, and, you know, of course, the community in general... Cough, cough, cares. Um, uh. But... Um, it, even then in general, like the community was always like, you know, again, asking for like a little bit more uh, from those developers and stuff. So because like, yeah, they would give you some queer options, but, you know, you were limited because like, for example, in Dragon Age, some 
companions can only be romanced by certain races and yep. certain genders. Well, yeah. I remember. And you're locked out of that option. And I know, like, for example, Dark and Age Inquisition, if you play as a female in most of the genders, you have a ton of options. But I remember mm-hmm. talking to some of my male friends and they were like, honestly, as a male wanting to be a straight, like, straight male, uh, you don't have that many options uh, in that story. Um, because a lot of like the major things, I think it like, there's always like a, a weird canon of like, mm, you can play whatever you want, but then there's like a specific set of like race and gender yeah. places that you're mm-hmm. like, this was the canon choice. Cause you get so much more story in there. And I think right. like Inquisition was more like a female, the uh, elven inquisitor is like the main thing that drives the story. If you choose yeah. that, but and, like, the reason was kind of catered to that. I can understand it at the time on some level because it took so many more resources to animate that stuff and to uh, like translate the voice recordings into action in the game. It just took more yeah. to make it work. But it it does feel a little lazy and a bit like an excuse, especially for a triple A game at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like if you're already making all these choices available, like mm-hmm. you may as well commit to the full bit. And I remember like Andromeda for all the flack that it got. Um, once I once it actually got patched and it was playable, um, I like was one of the first times that they gave you options, as in like you could still technically romance, like complete a romance with multiple choices mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily polyamory it was more like i'm having casual like hookup situations with multiple people in my in my party but i still have to pick one main person and once i've kind of picked that main person i've kind of moved on from these other choices um so it was still like you said limited and it's kind of like guiding you in that respect whereas like, yeah, like Larian Studios really gave us a fully fluid experience. That's cool. And that's like, that's what I'm so interested to see how that affects other games that come out. Like, bringing up Dragon Age is like, Ollie and I know we've talked about this a ton because, like, Dreadwolf of everyone is like, anytime there's a new trailer, I fully like immediately shove it in front of Ollie's face. I'm like, see, mm-hmm. yeah, and immediately. And I'm like, I've already consumed um, it and made it part of my soul. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> there's no way that Baldur's Gate doesn't have like a radical influence on. Well, of course. I mean, games. Yeah. Like, you can take a look with, at like, Breath like, of the Wild or Elden Ring yeah. or like those big, Hallmark games that really shifted the industry. And so it's like, I'm insanely curious to see what other, like what else Laren will do. And then also what other like game development houses you can, do. You can that. take a look at prior games too, that have been really successful that have taken some chances, right? Like dragon age did, and it was very successful. So other games took the similar risks and were successful as well. And more of them did after that you even like animal crossing had sort of gender fluid options, Mm -hmm. which was sort of unique for Nintendo, but also other games really weren't doing like fully fluid, like clothing options. And no animal crossing came out and just went, sure, go ahead. Fine. Whatever. It will call it style. Screw the word gender, which was one of my favorite things a game had ever done at the time. Um, because that makes way more sense to call it style than like gender, whatever, who cares? And, um, 
suddenly games just left and right were finding other words to use and letting anyone choose whatever option they wanted. And it wasn't every game, but a lot of them because Animal Crossing was so successful during the pandemic. And I can't imagine that following on Dragon, or not Dragon Age, um, uh, 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 um, thank you, brain fart. I am an old, old woman. Uh, Baldur's Gate, <laughs> like, and its success, right? Following that, there's no way that like AAA games and and mid-ranking like budget games are not going to take a look at this and provide far more fluid like romance options in their story games that are open world. And I mean, this has been the year of open world games and their ridiculous success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're go- we're no doubt going to see more open world games with fluid story options bar none and then romance options are going to be central given how Baldur's Gate came out after the brand new best open world Zelda game that you could imagine and just completely steamrolled it (laughs) yeah Yeah. to dethrone that because truly anytime that yeah like a a new Legend of Zelda game comes out you're like "Uh, that's it everybody else that everything else that has happened up until this point is you know yeah i mean i played the hell out of things because they're gonna take that game and i'm like this is all this is obviously game of the year i don't see how right like could not be like it's like i mean yeah a lot of my you know the nitpick issues with it is more the fact that it's on a switch platform (laughs) just you know right but any than on the pc or on like a playstation but then to go and play Baldur's gate and it's like oh cool like everyone else pack up your shit we're done. Yeah. Like and don't release anything else between now and the right? end of the year. <laughs> just ride this one. It's <laughs> fine. Like it's just amazing how Tears of the Kingdom is one of the best games I have ever played. Yeah, it is certainly a top five, if not second favorite game I've ever played outside of Baldur's Gate, right? And it was incredible that it could be topped, let alone in the same year. Yeah, and it was absolutely bananas. And and it's it is those additional details of those personal storylines you can pursue in addition to that core narrative. Um, yeah. I think that really made Baldur's Gate what it was, and and how it superseded Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but like to sort of take it back to TTRPGs, mm-hmm. we've never really had to worry so much about whether or not we had these options in tabletop. Because Mm -hmm. we provided them if we wanted them. Um, And I think there have always been riskier choices, especially in the indie RPG world, which is why I've loved it so much for so long. Um, We'd never had to wait until now for stuff like this because games Mm -hmm. like Monster Hearts have been out. We've had games just like, what is it? Uh, uh, Oh my God. I uh sword lesbians. There we go. Yeah. Sword lesbians thirsty, sword lesbians. For a while. thirsty sword lesbians. There we go. That's been out for a while. I have it. I've yet to convince people to play it because my friends are lame and all that. I desperately play want to play like it. Jerks. Yes. I desperately want to play it too. So if you have a, I will fly to Boston. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love you. I want to play that game and I love Boston. I will fly. I <laughs> welcome you. Don't or like me. Even like Vampire the Masquerade is queer as hell, and that's been out since yes, it is, baby. The '90s, at least, if not the late '80s, I can't remember when it was first published. But like original BTM, yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty old. First like edition I, is old. Yeah, but like and it's always yeah. been like all them old ass vampires. It's like yeah, my canon is like I'm sorry, nobody's nobody's straight. 
anymore. Yeah, like, and like, you live for Eon, so you got to mix it up. Cyberpunk is what, 87 or 89, I think? I think mm-hmm. it's late 80s. And that's always been like queer forward. Like tons and tons of games have been this entire friggin' time. And yeah. we've Even always... Even newer ones, like I know Perils yeah. and Princesses, for example, which we we did that interview with the, the Ryan who wrote it. Um, it's, again, a very feminine coded game. However, even in within the rule book, it is, it is it does not limit to gender of just women or you just have to be a princess. You could play a prince. You could play whatever you want. And like it's it's that thoughtfulness uh, towards the community that like in it, thoughtfulness and awareness of the community that wants to enjoy those games it's you know it is very much a make it what you want and you don't have to limit things yeah um or or pigeonhole yourself yeah and like that example and you see like bringing up the animal crossing example because i hadn't fully thought about that in that like way before and like that's it's so fucking good and i love that and and things like those like little things of the way you write things or the way you present information is something that like literally anyone can do. You don't have to be Laren, right, to do that. You, know, you don't have to. Be, you don't have to be Nintendo. Like it's just taking that like a little bit of time to be more considerate or open minded in how you write things, and that's really cool oh, and really encouraging. Absolutely, and, and it doesn't take really much, right? No, no, like it's small, thoughtful considerations that make a huge difference in the way you present the information and package it. So, like Nintendo, just saying style instead of calling something gender and mm-hmm. then stopping putting them in separate buckets that's all they did they that's literally yeah. didn't yeah. organize them in different buckets you simplified your ui part. a little bit <laughs> that was yeah, it that's it <laughs> right um and, yeah. and like, at the end it's like it's yeah it's a simpler ui but then it's it's on the person's experience it's that person being like huh like i can just do whatever i want and them exploring that freedom yeah. yeah, and you don't have it. Doesn't have to be blatant. It doesn't have to be overt or anything. It ju- it just can be. Yeah, you don't have to load into Animal Crossing and be like, "Is this Alfred gay or not?" Like, no, <laughs> that's not necessary. You can right, just- <laughs> and, and that's why, like, for example, uh, th- this movement moving away from using the term race and and instead moving to ancestry. Right, it mm-hmm. that's something that D and D is starting to do, but like Path Paizo has been doing that for years. And that's something that I have had a ton of respect for, because not only is that moving away from racializing the difference between like a goblin and a human and an elf, which yep. has all sorts of loading mm-hmm. of term and oh, tone, yeah. right? Yeah, it goes right back to Tolkien. Also, well, it goes well before that, but he wasn't. So and true. Yeah. It. But like it also stops otherizing them by default. So while well, we tend to think we we tend to really like white categorize elves and think of them as pretty good, pretty comma and good people, mm-hmm. uh, goblins tend to be racialized in a negative, stereotypical way, or mm-hmm. orcs do, right? It, it's mm-hmm. not healthy, um, and I'm thankful that my friend group has never really done that, which is great. But my yeah. friend group, I think, yeah, is fairly unique, um, but. By calling it an ancestry rather than race, I think that prevents the default otherization. So that way it takes us away from evil as a default category for a race. And then 
it allows a more nuanced way to examine how we're viewing these people because elves mm-hmm. can and should sometimes be evil and are often oh, totally awful, sure. right yeah like, even in tolkien there are shitty elves yeah. who we do oh. not like right? yeah and it's like that conversation flows in really interesting to like the conversation around alignment yeah. in D and like should alignment be something you choose or should that not and like what we tend to do is like we don't really state an alignment and like we did in past games but like in our Strixhaven game we don't and like in games I've run I I don't either and I like moving away from that because it lets you feel out who your character is and why they make the choices they make like on your own and organically. And it's not like, Oh, well I said, I'm going to be a, a good or a lawful character. So I do X, Y, Z, or I said, I'm chaotic or I said, I'm evil. So I do X, Y, Z. It's like, it it allows more nuance and more complication. And then in game in like systems like VTM, where like you are by like your, your existence alone implies that you are a monster because you have to harm other people to live then it's like okay cool that just goes out the window it's like we're starting from yeah you know yeah. I, starting from monstrosity and what you do outside of that right and it's just you. what you, exactly yeah I, I will say i think there is space for alignment but i think you have to examine what you're doing with it right so i think mm-hmm. alignment as an externality to people is interesting and can can be useful. So I think as a cosmological factor, like for like angels and demons and devils and Mm -hmm. et cetera, like those things make sense to have an alignment, an angel as a lawful good being, a demon as a chaotic evil being, those things make sense. Yes. But like, sure. It doesn't make sense for a person to have an alignment to me. However, yeah, no, because good people will do bad things. Right, right, given exactly. The right Just circumstances no, and vice versa. Yeah, no person can be good or evil or purely chaotic or uh, purely good or or ordered. All people are somewhere in the neutral zone. They just are. And they try to be one thing or another, but they inevitably fail at some point. And we all try to, as players, play those like archetypes, but we all fail because we are people. And I think that the GM can use the alignment system to point out when like a cleric or a paladin or someone beholden to a an alignment by an external cosmological factor, like then you can add tension and conflict with those individual characters because they're not sort of living up to that standard. Mm-hmm. Suddenly that impacts them in some way. But I yeah. like care, people who want to play an alignment, like as if it's their character's truth, that doesn't make sense to me. And that's not useful. No, yeah. me either. Yeah. I like, I like what you said about it being the difference in like, a celestial or infernal being or whatever. And then if you are, you know, a warlock or a paladin or a cleric or something where like you have made a deal or accepted some amount of power where you are then sort of giving up your right to be judged as a human, then you are now being judged according to the rule book of whatever you're getting power from, whether that's, right. you know, an, an angel a devil, whatever the hell, 
like that's cool because it does add a different weight and complication toward like making those choices and picking those classes versus just like, cool, I say a prayer sometimes and then I do the magic. Like it adds a different like consequences there. If you said you wouldn't be a murder hobo and you're out murder hoboing. Yeah, there there should be some kind of, I think, consequence or like outcome of making those choices when you're selecting a character who is driven by those like character motivations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. For me, character motivation is so important that I would want to have that natural tension. But I also am the kind of player who likes failure and conflict all the time. Uh, so like i just embrace it all the time so uh, that's something that i like to see in my gameplay uh, and and that might make me different than other players but i think it should be present nonetheless yeah like my strixhaven character she's a vengeance paladin to a death god who is um has some very strong opinions on like people messing with the sanctity of life and death Mm -hmm. when it comes to like not necessarily necromancy if it's consensual, but like the non-consensual, so like making reborns. <laughs> right. Like her. She's like not not big fan of that. And so I'm having a lot of fun coming out of her arc and like her going through the process of trying to untangle her own emotions of like rage and desire for vengeance versus the wrath of her God. And it being like at what like what is her emotion and what is her God's emotion or feeling or desire driving her and making her more reactive and making her just be quicker to violence than she maybe would be or should be. And like, that has been really interesting. That does sound cool. Or like, imagine if you were a warlock who had a pact with Mephistopheles and you were driving over the speed limit. What happens to you? Because you've broken the law. Mm. <laughs> Just get yoinked. Right? Immediately. Like, <laughs> does like a, a a devil cop show up on a motorcycle with lights behind you and then yeah. take years like, off your, your life? Shoot your tires out. Yeah. You're like, just get off, <laughs> give you a ticket and you lose a year off your life because you drove over the speed limit. So suddenly the rest of your life you have to drive like a grandma. <laughs> Now I'm just picturing all the people that Mephistopheles would have to employ mm-hmm. to like keep up with all of these weird mortal rules. Yeah. And it's like, God damn it. I got put on speed limit duty again and not like whatever the cool one is. <laughs> well, hell is a bureaucracy. Of course. True. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's just a bunch of corporations. Each level of hell is a different business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just limitless, like shitty low level devils who hate their infinite lives because they're just rolling around in the muck of hell. And once in a while, they go do cop duty to pull people over for driving like a half mile an hour over the speed limit. I would stay in devil jail. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I am a big, like, view that speed limit and add five to 10 girly, but I also like live in Texas where there's much, like, much room and a lot of highway. Mm. I don't do that when I go to like other cities where there's like not just six lanes with which to <laughs> drift no, through. It's it's a time. Uh, I wanted to talk about. I wanted to go back to like your comment about um, 
like the the ancestries and the and the races because mm-hmm. like one of the things that we do um and again it, it all ties back into that like we never had to wait for these changes to happen really in ttrpg individually because you dictate what happens at your table so yeah. depending on the group and depending on the dm um if you don't agree with certain things from you know how D has traditionally been run you can find a different system or make your make up your own rules and make up your own world like for for my world for example uh yeah like the the races or the ancestry don't don't immediately tie anybody to anything it's like it's a descriptor of the character but they also are residing in a city that is an entire huge melting pot um it's like very advanced of like all of the different races just reside there and it's like nobody blinks an eye kind of thing it's just um it's just who they are um but then there's things like one of my favorite things i've implemented and like mariah loves this is my gatsby orcs i found a bunch of art Uh of great gatsby orcs um, in really fancy like flapper dresses and And i'm like sick this is like they're all in that like upper echelon uh uh mixing and mingling with all the other kind of like more noble um uh like tiered people but they're all again very mixed races and like inter interracial marriages are okay and normal and whatever but like my great gatsby orcs love them love them but fancy orcs yes I, I love that. Really... So <laughs> like... for us, I, I think a lot of it too depends on the voices people choose when they're really young for these like mm. individual kinds of characters. So our friend group, normally we have we have just a perma GM, Sean. I love him so much. He always, he's a ham and he's always done voices for everything long before the internet influenced any of us. So he, years and years ago, picked Cockney as the voice for orcs incredible so peaking blinders orcs yeah they've always just talked like this so <laughs> so that's just orcs is for us like that's, that's our orc voice is like a bad cockney accent with a low rumble so whenever i think of an orc it's never been really racialized for me because it's just a bad english accent yeah <laughs> so i just incredible. imagine them like slinging smelly fish on the street side by like, like dangerous a, like cigar. yes with mm-hmm. like a flat cap and just yelling like at like little, yep. And there are like little orphan goblins running around selling newspapers, and the orcs are yelling <laughs> at them. Like that's I my mind. It. Incredible. I love it. Uh, remind me to send you all my Great Gatsby orc art. Yes, please. <laughs> that I've I need to see this. It's, it's quite wonderful. Um, but yeah, it is. It is definitely a, a avenue of uh, making it your own taking out those things that you're like, mm, this, this doesn't need to be here. And has Absolutely. Been, like, I don't need to rely on these like weird cruxes uh, to like make someone evil or make someone an antagonist. For me, it's always been more about like there, everything about this person is a descriptor They're If they are evil, it comes from their actions and motivations and mm-hmm. like their history and the choices that they are actively making against their fellow humanoids in this city. Well, they're people, um, of course. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Every, like, we all think about them as people in, like, our friend group and the people I play with online. We tend to, like, approach these characters, whether they're NPCs or our own PCs, as full people. 
And that's how you yeah. have fun with them and make them real characters. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. And for me, a lot of them is like, honestly, there's maybe only a few characters at all that I've decided are for sure like BBEG type shit mm -hmm. uh, because of like big story stuff. But everyone else in that city, it is very much a like, hey, this could be a powerful ally for you or a really bad rival or enemy, depending on the interaction you have with them and like what side of the coin you're standing on, basically. Yeah, yeah. like my character Anya has a penchant for collecting the most horrifying, like power overpowered NPCs as like quasi uncles and aunts. Mm -hmm. Like I have our <laughs> Dean of Decay, which is just like, uh, the actual, I think he's a Saranos is the actual like, monster. He's a full Eldritch being that has consumed like so much, so many things. Um, very scary, very scary yeah. bomb boy, like nine feet tall, a good lad, just a good lad. Mm -hmm. um, good lad. And then, yeah, I have like Oak and Reyna, which are like our, our friend Oak and then Ollie's like long time NPCs, not NPCs, uh, PCs. That was my character for yeah. years and then i've just like maxed out her shit along with her husband's and now and now they're like on on some legendary level type shit yeah like uh, oak is doing um an interrogation scene and like out of session written role mm -hmm. play with us right now <laughs> like all i had oak <laughs> roll a check for something i think it was for like intimidation like i've not mm -hmm. i've not seen oak's character sheet in this is a real sheet he built on the um, beyond but that man okay. typed in like, like a normal ass command into that dice spot and i'll be damned if it did not say like plus 32 on what <laughs> and like wow. I, I was just weak i don't know i was what, like do i don't yes all <laughs> i think it. he's 20 all of it he can't he has to be higher than 20 chief oh my no oh, i don't think oh. it can go higher than 20 on dnd beyond Oh yeah, to, I don't know. If I he, think is it is it I think, I, it's, I think it's items that he's. I like, think it's a mix of le being level twenty and the shit that he's chosen in those levels, along with items. I know he has, he has. stupid items that he's probably home homebrewed in there. But so like, yeah. So question: What are mm -hmm. the dumbest characters you have ever made? Oh dumbest my god! Okay, um, oh I god. have a little pygmy dragonborn that looks like a leopard gecko named Cricket. Um, they are a warlock, and they like to hoard cantrips. So I have made it so that this warlock has a metric fuck ton of cantrips. Um, Amazing, and it's it's quite insane how many they have. Um, and then I have another one who is a little owlin. Um, and his, he was raised by a tribe of orcs and he believes on all levels except physical that he is an orc. <laughs> and he does require anytime he's in a room with people to be the tallest person in the room. So while people are talking, he will just be stacking things to try to get like up above eye level of everybody else. Incredible. Um, he has a very low intelligence. Um, he is just, just a low, just a low, low, low guy. Um, <laughs> I fucking love him. Uh, those are probably like two of my stupidest ones. And then I have another one that was like a, a sorcerer, uh, Kenku named Kink. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> my, my dumbest one, and it was for some kind of random fucking unhinged holiday one shot that we ran for us. Mm -hmm. And he is a, a paladin rock gnome called Lord Godiva. 
He wears <laughs> no clothing. He only has a beard. His beard is just really long, <laughs> so it's fine. Um, <laughs> and he had a very unhinged voice. He's an Oath of the Ancients paladin. And yeah, just a little little naked dwarf man. I love this. Running around. Okay. <laughs> I, I think he, talk, he talks like this. I don't know. I can't remember exactly Amazing. what his voice was. So I don't make a character unless I am certain it is dumb. Um, mm -hmm. But my, some of my favorites. So uh, I did a live show with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence who were wonderful doing D&D &D 5e. And I brought in a character I had made for home games. Um, a massive, looming, and spooky necromancer uh, skeleton. His <gasps> name is Arthur Ritus. <laughs> and he talks <laughs> like Edwin. Hello, I, I am Arthur Ritus. And he is the nicest necromancer. Ritus. I love him. I love him. Uh, <laughs> I have a goblin. I think he was a rogue. He dresses very fancy, and his name is Reginald Beef Wellington. And um, uh, Reginald Beef Wellington is based off of Brainy, Gob uh, Brainy uh, Gremlin from Gremlins 2. So, of course, he talks with a mid-Atlantic accent like Catherine Hepburn, um, which I love a Catherine Hepburn accent. But, love a mid-Atlantic uh, accent. It's so yes. Good. But, uh, but uh, just, he is so fun to play. But I think my dumbest character, my favorite character, is from my home game um, that I'm doing right now. He is a gnome. So, of course, his name is my favorite name because I go hard for um, uh, gnome names. He is a cleric of Abadar, which is a Pathfinder god because we're playing Rise of the Rune Lords, but we've moved it into 5e because I'm playing with my family. And uh, they only know how to play 5e. And uh, his name is Briggle Braggle Knit Willikins Esquire the Third. Amazing. Oh my and, Does he uh, make everybody say the whole thing every time? Yes. And, well, at least Briggle Braggle. He will not okay. accept a Briggle. He's very formal because he's from New Jersey, you understand. Yeah, and, so it uh, becomes like a Percival Frederick Stein von Musel Kowalski Drill of the Third situation. Correct. And... Uh, he, uh, instead of calling it Abadar, he calls his god the free hand of the market um, because of <laughs> course, gold must move freely from one hand to another, you see? His uh, god's just face palming up in the sky like, good god. Why have I allowed this? Business cards for this gnome. Because, of course, as a cleric of, free of the free hand of the market, he must have business cards in gold and blue. And, <laughs> Gotta do it. Uh, it has a golden hand in the center. And um, not only does he do contracts and negotiations, and uh, of course, he will act as a bank, but he also does circumcisions. Oh, my God. So just a one-stop shop, really, yes, for anything course. you yeah. might need. What, for all your needs. All your emergencies. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I just remembered another one that I had, and I can't believe I didn't remember this. I played it at a one-shot. Um, it was a gnome bard mm -hmm. uh and they had like a a hard rock liar situation uh the worst little curly mustache on like the most boyish face that you can imagine um definitely looked like the mustache was almost fake um and their name was nick l bach amazing 
Nice. Okay, <laughs> I vaguely remember this, this bean. You do remember this bean. And I loved it. <laughs> I've uh I've been playing Delta Green uh in like a, a personal game, just a short run, and I named my agent her 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 legal name is Sharon Fribble. Mm-hmm. Just what a dumb name. I love that one. What so a, good. Yeah, Sharon Fribble. Agent Tang. We were T-Cell. Agent <laughs> Tang sounds cool, though. Fribble, you can't really. You can't uh, get out from under that one. There's no way to spin that one. No. That's your family legal name. Yeah. Yep. You were called that in elementary school, and you cringed every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, actually, I do think that we're coming up on our time with <laughs> that chaotic cluster of, of that feels like the right tone to end on honestly <laughs> the right note and yeah. on, on, on triple it's buttoned up um, oh my goodness thank you so much juicy this is this has been so so great to have you on thank you for having uh, me yeah a hundred percent literally anytime and um tell uh, the audience just once again uh who you are, where they can find you, and any cool projects you got going on. Yeah, of course. I am Juicy Garland, a Boston-area drag queen and super nerd. You can find me on the internet at Juicy Garland or at Juicy.Garland. Try one and find out where you'll find me. Um, I'm also in a podcast and a Monster Hearts actual play, All Our Faults, All Our Faults, uh, which is releasing every other week, I believe, on Wednesdays. We just recently started, so it's a great time to catch up. Uh, it has been a treasure to participate in this. Our cast is wonderful. Uh, Tabletop Tailspinners, uh, an RPG podcast network, has been helping us produce this, and I love being part of this network. I'm also doing a bunch of one-shots with the network as well, so keep your eyes peeled on my socials for more stuff there. I do a bunch of actual play streams as well, a lot of one-shots and longer-form things. Uh, I have done stuff with uh, the... Uh, with uh, Nathan Blades, uh, and I recently did a Delta Green one-shot uh, in Phantom Arts Fest with them, uh, and a bunch of others as well. So take a look at my socials, and you'll see what I have done and will be doing. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on again, and um, we will catch y'all in the next one. Bye. 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 Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions, bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG, or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. All business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.